This podcast is a presentation of Indianola First Assembly of God Church. For more information, please visit us online at indianolafirst.com. Man, you're a good-looking bunch today. Finally turned the light on, I can see y'all. During our uh, recent trip to Botswana, we had the privilege of meeting a missionary couple, Logan and Shannon Nash, who work at the Bible College next door to Bob and Barb Van Wyke, uh, who were the missionaries that uh, we were hosting us. They had a visitor while, they were, while we were there, and it was Shannon's dad. And he's an older man, maybe late 70s, early 80s, um, who had been in ministry longer than many of you here this morning have been alive. And whenever you get around these older ministers and they've seen a few things and they've done a few things, you know, and, and Bob came out of the house and he said, tell him a story, tell him one of your stories. And our team was all ears because you want to listen when guys like that talk. You want to hear what they have to say. And so he told us a story early on in his ministry. He, he was serving as a pastor. And I don't know if you realize this, but within the Assemblies of God back then, you had to be a pastor for two years before you could go on the mission field, which that's not the case anymore, um, which is probably a good thing. But back then, that was the, the way they did it. And he served as a pastor, and he told us all a story that I want to share with you today. He talked about how they had taken a church in which the policy was made that all bills were paid before the pastor received any pay. So he told us of a time when money was real tight for he and his wife and, and their family. And he, he, he uh, uh, talked about how there was literally no food left in their house. They didn't know what they were going to do, but they did have one loaf of bread. And they had some honey or jam, I think it was. And, and they also knew how to trust God. And how many know it's important to know how to trust God in situations like that? Then they got a phone call from the police department that said there was a man down there asking about any ministers in town that might want to host him for a meal. He was traveling evangelist or something. I hope I'm getting the story right. But uh, even though they didn't have enough for themselves, they couldn't turn this man away. So on the phone he said, yeah, I'll be down. I'll pick him up. He went down and picked him up and brought him back and, and picked up his bag as well. And it was interesting, our, the, the guy that was telling the story, he, he told us uh, that uh, the bag was just covered in stickers from everywhere imaginable. And he took them back to their home and, and he proceeded to feed them their last loaf of bread. They toasted it and offered the jam and they were wondering the whole time if he was going to be filled up by the time the bread was gone. Because it wouldn't be right to have somebody come over and then not be able to feed him. And just as they served him the last piece, he said that he had had enough and he was satisfied. And they visited a while after that. And then he, he said that he had to be going. And he asked for just one more favor. He wanted to be driven just outside of town because he wasn't, it wasn't, he was going to be hitchhiking. And nobody picks a hitchhiker up in the middle of town. They pick him up on the outside of town. And so uh, our missionary uh, friend that we met there, he, he agreed to do so. He took him just outside of town, dropped him off, and proceeded several yards ahead and did a U-turn to head back towards town. You can kind of picture, kind of pull the side of the road, let, her, let this guy out, and then 
go forward a little bit, do a U-turn back. The, the crazy thing was, when he did his U-turn and he came back, the man was gone. The man was gone. And thinking he might be crazy, he got out of his car, and sure enough, there were footprints there where he had dropped him off, and there was a suitcase print in the dirt there, right on the ground where he had just been standing where he dropped him off. And he said, you know, the funny thing was you could see in every direction, a long ways. You could see for some distance, and this man was not to be found anywhere. He just wasn't there. He had vanished. So he just decided to go home still puzzled and wondering where he could have gone. As he's telling the story, we're the team that we took to Botswana, we were just standing there going, what's going to happen next? You know, you just hearing it firsthand is so awesome. And when he finally got home and got back to his house, he said, you wouldn't believe it. You couldn't even get in the front door because of the bags and bags and bags of groceries that had been left in the front of his door. The mysterious man who they'd been entertaining was not a man at all. He was an angel who had come to meet their needs. And church, I want you to understand something. Divine appointments happen today. They are made by the Holy Spirit and we are given the choice to whether or not we are going to keep those appointments. And that couple received the blessing that God had intended for them because they didn't miss their appointments. And the appointment wasn't the man coming. It was their, the appointment was their opportunity to host this individual, to feed him and give him a ride when they themselves had very little to give. What if when they received that phone call from the police station, they said, no, we'd love to help. You know, call us again sometime. Don't, don't, don't stop calling us. But, but right now, we, we really aren't in a position to help anyone. They would have missed their appointment. And I share this story with you today because I want you to start seeing and understanding that we all have many. Turn to your neighbor and say, many. Turn to your other neighbor and say, many. Now do it again and say like you mean it, many. Thank you. We all have many, many divine appointments every single day that the Holy Spirit sets up for us. And they often come as opportunities that present themselves as choices. Some are more dramatic than others, sure. But if we choose to say yes to these appointments, these God moments, the amount of adventure and excitement that you will experience in living life will be astronomical compared to ignoring or missing the opportunities and the appointments that the Holy Spirit sets up for you each and every single day. Proverbs 16:9. I love this verse. Man can make his plans. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That's awesome, church. How many know that sometimes when we make our plans, they're not so good? It's an awesome truth for those that love the Lord. God wants us to plan, don't get me wrong. 
And he wants us to be obedient to his leading at the same time. He wants us to plan and be obedient, plan and be obedient, plan and be obedient, all simultaneously. And some would say that this scripture is a little bit of a conundrum or that it even contradicts itself. How can we make our plans and yet let God control which steps we take? There are those that would say making plans is what God is encouraging us to do in this scripture, and because he's so good, he will guide us in those plans that we make. Others would say go ahead and make your man-made plans if you want. They're little consequence to the Lord. He'll direct your steps in spite of those plans that you've made. Again, it's neither one of those. God just wants you to do both at the same time. Simultaneously, make plans as the Spirit leads to get things done and be so obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit in the process that you are willing to adjust and change those plans as necessary. You see, we shouldn't be the kind of people that have no plan at all and we shouldn't be the kind of people that have such a detailed plan that it makes it near impossible to move away from it. And there are literally hundreds of examples within the scriptures that describe divine appointments. And I want to talk to you about one of them today. A little background here. You can throw the map up on the screen. We're in Jerusalem here. You see Jerusalem on the map. And the Holy Spirit has recently fell upon the disciples. Pentecostal power has pushed them into sharing their faith. How many are thankful for Pentecostal power? Hallelujah. Then persecution begins as the, as the disciples are sharing their faith. Persecution begins and, and Stephen is killed as a result and the church begins to spread out because of this persecution. Whenever there's persecution to the church, whenever blood flows because God's people are persecuted, the blood of the saints waters the church and the church spreads out and grows. It's just the truth. The church was growing and they were spreading out and during this whole time, Philip, he heads up to Samaria. You see Samaria on the map there. And he begins to preach. He has so much success with people receiving the gospel that Peter and John hear about it, and they go there to pray for these new believers to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And most of you know the story, where we're at, what's going on. Many signs and wonders are happening in this new church. And as Peter and John kind of wrap things up there and head back to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit tells Philip, to head south as well, and even continue south of Jerusalem. Acts 8, 26 through 31 says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise up and go toward the south on the way that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he rose up and went. And there was a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in command of her entire treasure, treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning, sitting in his chariot and reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said to Philip, go to this chariot and stay with it. Then Philip ran to him and heard him read the book of Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? So he invites Philip to come up and sit with him. So Philip begins to explain at that point the specific scripture he was reading, and he shares the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. And then we pick it back up in Acts 8, 36 through 40. It says, as they went on their way, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Verse 37, and I, I, I need to say this, in a lot of, if you're following along in your Bible, a lot of versions don't include verse 37, and they'll have it down at the bottom. They'll say some early manuscripts uh, include this verse. But this verse is very important. 
In the NIV, for instance, it'll go from verse 36 to verse 38. I don't like that. Okay? But verse 37 is here. And verse 37 says, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's an important baptism verse, by the way. In verse 38, and he, and he was baptized. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away, just whisked him away. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached the gospel in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. So first of all, I want to say, on the map here, you can see Philip, he went up to Samaria because of persecution. At, at, uh, at some appointed time when the church was booming and growing, he, he came back down because the Spirit of God asked him to. And he came south and see that next arrow southwest of uh, Jerusalem there? That's probably the area or so that he met up with this Ethiopian eunuch. And then he went on to, he was transported to Azotus, and then he went up through those cities preaching the gospel. That's Philip, Philip's story. Divine appointment after divine appointment in that man's life, wouldn't you say? But I want you to understand there's more than one divine appointment in the story of Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. Not only was there a divine appointment for Philip, but there was a divine appointment for the Ethiopian as well. And I, and I believe as you look at this biblical account, there are at least three things that you must have as part of your life if you're going to make your divine appointments. We're talking about divine appointments today. I hope you'll make all of yours. I hope you realize that the Holy Spirit has set them up for you every single day. I hope you understand by the end of this that uh, your life can be so much more exciting if you live and breathe and just, just experience those divine appointments every single day because they're all over the place. I'll even confess to you that as I began to put this message together and think about it, divine appointments started happening in my life more. I, at least I recognized them. It's funny, what you study is what plays out in your life, isn't it? It's amazing. But there's at least three things that you must have as part of your life if you're gonna make your divine appointments. Number one, you must know the voice of the Holy Spirit. You gotta know the voice of the Holy Spirit. Philip heard the voice of God. The angel of the Lord said, rise up and go into the desert south of Jerusalem. And Philip must have known it was the Lord's voice because it says he went. He obeyed that, he did it. I think that there are many times in our day-to-day -day walks with the Lord when we talk ourselves out of believing that God is speaking to us. That can't be God, he wouldn't ask me to do that, he knows I'm not ready for that. Can you relate? Go through the scriptures. If you think you're not the right person for God to use, then you are in really good company because the scriptures is full of them. So many people throughout the Bible that believe those same lies, yet God used them anyway. Let me ask you something. Why would anyone but God ask you to do something in his name that would bring his name glory? Why would the devil say, go pray for that person? And if you have pure motives, you wouldn't step out to somehow glorify yourself. So if you 
believe your motives are pure and you believe the devil isn't gonna have you run around praying for people, it's probably God telling you to do something, to step out. If you're being prompted by his voice, then act on it. John 10, 27 says this, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. The question comes up, how can I recognize the voice of the Father? Well, first of all, practice makes perfect, church. You all know that prayer is communicating with God, right? A healthy prayer life will always result in your recognizing his voice. People ask me all the time, how do I understand the voice of God? How do I know if it's God? How do I hear the voice of God? It's a common question that pastors are asked. And my, always my response is, how's your prayer life? Well, that's not what I asked you. I asked you, how do I hear the voice of God? It's all about the prayer life, folks. It's all about how much time, how much energy, how much, uh, 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 how much, how much you make it important, I guess you could say, your prayer life, how much time you give to that how much effort you put forth for that. A healthy prayer life will always result in recognizing his voice. And it sounds so cliche, I know, but it's true. I know my wife's voice because we talk every day. I know the little nuances in her tone that tip me off in knowing exactly what she's feeling. Is she a little upset with me? Is she annoyed by me? Is she really happy with me? Is she sad? How many husbands you know by the tone because you've communicated with that wonderful lady for years? And she knows mine. She can take one look at me, hear one little syllable out of my mouth, and she knows right where I'm at, right what I'm feeling, my emotional state. But it's because we've spent the last 25 years talking and communicating with one another. There's no substitute for that. You, you, you can't just wave a wand and have that be. You can't have three easy steps to hearing the voice of God. It doesn't work that way, church. And if you want to know the voice of God, you must communicate with God in prayer every single day. And prayer without ceasing. What does that look like? That means it's just a constant, nonstop, daily conversation with God recognizing everything he's doing in every given moment. Sure, it's time spent on your face in the prayer closet praying, but how many know it doesn't end? You know, you don't set your watch and go, well, let's see, I've got, uh, I've got half hour here. I think I'll pray, and that's my prayer time for the day. And when it gets to be 29 minutes and 59 seconds, you're like, ooh, one second left. Thank you, Jesus. Whoop, done. You can compartmentalize your life way too much. But don't compartmentalize your life when it comes to prayer, for sure. It's just an ongoing, all-day thing. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Something good happens, just be like, I praise you, God. I mean, it's just a constant conversation. He's right there with you and in you. Talk to him all the time. Not just reciting your prayers but having those intimate, engaging talks where you listen even more than you speak. If you are still a little nervous about whether it's God's voice speaking to your heart, then check what you're being told with the scriptures. The voice of God will never contradict the instruction and truth within the Bible. Not to mention the fact that one of the very best ways you can hear God's voice is while you're reading the word. 
Let me just say this this morning. We had, we had a spiritual gift happen right during worship. We had a, a gift of, of tongues, and we had the interpretation of tongues. It was done very orderly. It was wonderful. A couple of young men that I haven't seen been used before, which is always refreshing, right, when God uses different people. And I want to tell you, the first thing that went through my mind as the interpretation came, well, first of all, let me say this. Nobody is going to come up here and speak in tongues in a microphone if it isn't God pushing them to do it. I mean, that would, who would want to do that, you know? But if God's pushing you and urging you and then you're obedient, it could be a great thing. And, and so I appreciate the brother who did that. And then to interpret, you know, Dylan, you're a rascal. Why would... <laughs> You've been a rascal. Why would God use you to interpret? Because you were willing. And let me say, everything that came out of your mouth, the first thing that I did, I was checking it with the word of God. Is there anything that's not in line with the word of God as you were speaking? And it was all within the word of God, wasn't it? And I actually know that there's some people here today that are really, really going through it. They're in the valley of despair. They've lost loved ones. They're hurting They've gotten bad diagnosis, things like that. And the word that came out of your mouth, the word from the Lord, it wasn't Dylan, we know that, it was God. You were just a willing vessel. That was encouragement to those individuals. And if you're someone who's going through something like that, you're in despair, you're in the valley, let that word minister to you. You don't say, oh, Dylan, he's kind of a rascal, I'm not gonna accept that. No, Dylan was a rascal, just like all of you were rascals at one time. And Dylan, what are you, like, a couple months sober now? 74 days. Awesome. And this time, if you go back to it, we're all going to kick your butt till your nose bleeds, okay? Because we love you. We love you. But we listen to the voice of God. We read his word and we, we know what his voice is saying. Because when we know the word, it, they're, they're not going to be different. And it's like prayer and the word just play off one another as we listen for the voice of God. That's important to understand. If you're spending your time in your word and you're spending your time in prayer and you're communicating with God all day long, you're just going to hear his voice all the time. You're just going to hear it. And I, you know, you're not going to hear it audibly, probably. You're going to hear it in your, in your being, in your heart, in your spirit. And they both require each other, prayer and the word. As we drench ourselves in his word and in prayer, hearing him is just a natural byproduct. How many of uh, have ever talked to yourself? <laughs> How many do that out loud? And <laughs> Some of you are weird. A lot of times we talk to ourselves without talking out loud, don't we? I mean, everybody be quiet. Just start telling yourself a few things right now, just, just without, without being, making any noise. Anybody arguing with themselves? <laughs> you're talking to yourself, aren't you? And you know what you're saying, and you know what's going on inside of you. You, you kind of feel, hear it. You don't hear it here, but you hear it here. You hear it in your heart as you feel emotion and think through it. The same thing occurs when you talk to God. 
You feel it and it goes through the filter of our thoughts and we hear him and we know him and, and, and we feel him and, and we know that it's him if we spent time in prayer and the word and if we've done our due diligence in the prayer closet and saturated ourselves with his word, like I said, we're gonna know it's him. If you wanna make your divine appointments, you gotta know his voice. There's no substitute for knowing and hearing what he's saying. There's no substitute for it. And I'm telling you, living a life where divine appointments are just happening and you're making them and you're just living from divine appointment to a divine appointment. You know what most people do? They live from crisis to crisis. Christians ought to live from divine appointment to divine appointment. And really, it's a lot about mindset because it's not that bad things don't ever happen to me, tough things don't ever happen to me or to the person who lives from divine appointment to divine appointment. Those things just don't seem to be that big a deal when there's another divine appointment right around the corner. That's how it works. You gotta know the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number two, you gotta be obedient. You have to be obedient. We don't love that word, do we? Obedience. We send our dogs to obedience school. Don't you wish God had an obedience school for us? You just called me a dog. No, I really didn't. We have to be obedient if we're going to make our divine appointments. Again, it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 27, that upon hearing the voice of God, Philip got up and went. Now, I just thought about this for a moment, meditated on it a little bit. There was no him hawing around about this. Well, is that God? God, you really want me to leave? I don't know, Lord. I, I just, is that you? There was no arguments that he made with God. He just got up and went. And understand, Philip was doing great. Everything was going awesome in Samaria. The church was growing. Miracles were happening. They were flowing. I mean, why the heck leave a church that's just booming, blowing and going, right? Why leave? Everything's good, right? God was using him here. What would be the point of leaving? Yet Philip didn't question God because he heard his voice and he knew it to be the Lord's, so he was obedient and he just got up and did it. Man, that is something to strive for, church. Being the kind of people that recognize God's voice so much that we know it's him and then without any hesitation at all, we just jump out there and step out in faith, in obedient faith, and do what he's called us to do. I want to show the map again. Jerusalem was about 42 miles. And this is kind of interesting, 42 miles away from Samaria. So Philip was in Samaria. Everything was going good. And God said, go back to Jerusalem. And it's not like he got in a car and went 42 miles. They walked most of the way. That's a long jaunt, isn't it? I mean, then he said, don't just stop in Jerusalem. Go to Gaza, which was another 50 miles from Jerusalem. About 50 miles southwest. Philip didn't seem to question this at all. God said go, and so he was obedient. The Holy Spirit can tell you all day long that you need to do this or that or talk to this person or go that way or don't buy that now. He can tell you wait, don't wait another moment. He can tell you all sorts of things all day long, but if you don't listen, it won't matter. You'll miss your divine appointments. 
If you're constantly saying, well, that's not God. I don't know about that. Oh, that's it. I, that, I don't want to do that. I, what if that's not you, God, and I make a big mistake? How many have done that? We all have. We should stop. We should stop. First Samuel 15, 22 but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offer, the offering the fat of rams. You can be in service to the Lord. Get this, church. You can get really busy doing a lot for Jesus and you can gain a reputation with those in the church of being so committed in all you do and, 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 all, and how you serve so magnificently, all your sacrificing. You can even put others' needs above your own. And everybody thinks, man, you're an amazing Christian. I wish I could be like you. All those are good things. But if you're not obedient to what he's telling you to do, then it's all for naught. There is a little scripture that talks about all of the things we do, all of our deeds are going to be judged by fire, tried by fire, and the only thing that's gonna be left are those things that we did in reference to being obedient to his voice. All the other stuff, good as it may be, wood, hate, and stubble, burnt up. Are you telling me that all my volunteering at the church is just gonna get burnt up and be nothing? God didn't call you to do it, yes. Not more than likely God's called you to do some of that or you wouldn't do it. I mean... Who would change dirty diapers in the nursery if God didn't call them to do it, right? Who would stand outside in the cold, directing traffic the days we do that, if God didn't call them to do it? Who would drive the bus of all those kids? How many bus drivers we got in here this morning? Two? I'm telling you what, this church needs a lot more bus drivers. And if you have the ability to drive a bus on Wednesday night and pick up little kids that have no other way to come to church but that, then you need to see Pastor Donnie or see Pastor Jared or see myself and we'll help you get your CDL so that you can drive the bus because we need bus drivers. Men, yes, but tough women who can drive a bus, you bet. Bring it on. I'm on a rabbit trail, I better get back. Anyone can be busy and look busy doing, the, doing kingdom work and doing the kingdom work that they think they should be doing. Or the kingdom work that others will see them doing. Or the kingdom work that brings the most accolades to them. Anyone can busy themselves with doing kingdom-related things and can feel better about themselves. As if you could earn anything above what the blood of Jesus has already done for you. Oh yeah, we, we can get busy doing uh, the kingdom work that we want to do for whatever messed up motive or reason. But the question is, are you doing the kingdom work he's asking you to do? Are you submitting to his voice and being obedient to what he's saying? And I don't want to encourage, discourage anyone from being, uh, or I'm sorry, I don't want to discourage anyone from being active in kingdom work. I'm not trying to do that today. Or to volunteer in the church. I'm not trying to get you to not do that. But the church is full of those that are striving to look good instead of looking to please God with their obedience. You know, it's an interesting thing in, in Africa when we were there 
missionary Bob was trying to explain to us the culture, and he said the culture there is such that it didn't really matter what you actually did. It, mattered what, it matters what people know that you did. So, for instance, a man goes out of town on a business trip, has an affair, has multiple affairs. There's no shame in that. He doesn't feel shame in that culture. Unless he gets caught, then he feels deep shame. Now, that sounds weird messed up, doesn't it? But we're not that far off. Our culture is really not all that different, is it? Because people do things all the time in the dark. And they don't seem to care until they get caught. Obedience to God and what he's telling you to do in every area of your life it, it essentially gives up your right. When you're obedient, it gives up your right to be in charge and puts God in the driver's seat of your life. You want to keep your divine appointments? Then being obedient is the key. I don't feel like speaking up for you, God. I just want to do it. I just don't want to do it. Okay, Jonah. Isn't that what Jonah said? I can't do that, God. I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I'm not eloquent of tongue. I'm not talented. I'm not smart. Okay, Moses. I think it's time, church, to stop giving God all the reasons why you're not qualified and just step out in obedient faith and do what he's asking you to do. Offer to pray with or for someone. Share a word from the Bible or from the Holy Spirit that you feel you're being given for an invitation. Individual. Witness to someone. Give a word of encouragement. I don't know what God is asking you to do in reference to your divine appointment, but do it. Just do it. You know, the other night I got a phone call late in the afternoon, just before supper time. Been a long day here at the office, and I was uh, I was tired. And it was from a, a, a man who I had counseled years ago here in the church, and he had found himself in a situation, a young woman had crossed his wife's path uh, who had been in some sort of domestic violence situation and it was bad enough that she had to get out of the state and get out right now. And so this man I know called me and he asked if, if I could take her to Des Moines, which immediately I thought, divine appointment. Well, I don't give rides to women. That wouldn't have been proper. And my wife wasn't available to go with me. So I said, let me make some phone calls and see what I can do. And I no more got off the phone. I, I mean, there's part of me that wanted to say, honestly, I was tired. I couldn't do it anyway, but just, no, I really don't do that. I can't do that because I can't give her a ride as a man, especially in a domestic situation like that. But God stopped me, and I just said, let me make some phone calls and see what I can do. I no more got off the phone with him and the Lord dropped Don and Sandy putts into my heart. I thought of them immediately when I hung up the phone. And I thought, well, they're, they're Uber drivers. How many know that they drive Uber? And maybe it would work out and, and the church could just pay the fee. They could just Uber drive them up to Moines. Well, I called Don and he, and he conference called Sandy to make, to make a long story short. I guess Sandy was able to go pick her up and and take her to the bus station. 
And uh, Sandy and I had a little conversation before she did that, and I was like, Sandy, you need to pray all the way to Indianola and just prepare your heart to minister to her because this is a divine appointment. And Sandy did that. She prayed and uh, on her way to get her and just know because of past situations, Sandy has a special place in her heart for women going through these kinds of things. She prayed the Lord would give her opportunity to share about Christ and well, just over an hour later, I get a phone call from Sandy and she was just flying high because she was able to minister and pray for this lady and she was able to lead her to the Lord and the lady got saved. It was a divine appointment. A divine appointment. I want, I, want you to, I want you to see this. What did I do in that situation? I said yes. What did Sandy do in that situation? She said yes. Did we really do anything more than that? That's what it is. When the opportunities come, you just decide that you're going to say yes to that divine appointment because you know the voice of God. I mean, the devil wasn't saying, hey, take that lady to Des Moines and lead her to the Lord. That's not the devil talking. Sandy could have just said she was busy. It was almost supper. It was a very inconvenient time to run from south of Milo all the way back up to Des Moines, especially because she just got home from Des Moines. Obedience to his voice, it's a must for those that don't want to miss any of their appointments. Number three, be vulnerable. I love the vulnerability that the Ethiopian eunuch displayed when Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? The eunuch said, no, I don't, and how can I unless someone explains it to me? Which we read over that and we don't think anything of it. But most of us probably would have responded with, Oh, yeah, I'm getting it. I mean, we don't want to look like we are lacking in intelligence or in knowledge of anything, right? And it's amazing when a divine appointment is kept, everyone involved is blessed. Philip was blessed because when we are truly used of God, there's a fulfillment that just washes over us as we, are, we feel as if we have accomplished what we were put on this earth to do. And the eunuch was certainly blessed because he now understood what the scriptures were saying, and then Philip led him to Christ, and he was even baptized in water. So he was blessed. But this divine appointment for the eunuch would not have happened if he wouldn't had made himself vulnerable. It was humbling to acknowledge that he didn't understand something. And it's been said that uh, when you finally get old enough to realize that you don't know everything, you probably have a kid who thinks they know everything. Kids aren't laughing, but the parents are. <laughs> Making yourself vulnerable is to put yourself out there in a way that someone else can hurt your pride. It's humbling yourself to the place where what you want doesn't matter, only that you can do the work and fulfill the task that God has sent you to, to do and to fulfill that work. And I think of us sometimes when we're and I always use the example, I know all the time, you're standing in the grocery store aisle or Walmart aisle and, and you see something going on in front of you and, and, and God just says, the Holy Spirit says to you, pray for that individual, offer to pray for them. And what do we do? We're like, come on, really, right here? I don't really want to do that, Lord. And all divine appointments aren't about praying for people. That's, just a, that's, a, that's a common one that's really easy. There's all sorts of different kinds of divine appointments. I can't even get into all that. 
but just as an example. That's the moment where we say, yes, and how does that look? Well, here's the awkward moment. Okay, God told me to do it, so I have to do it, right? I'm gonna be obedient. Brenda's standing there in the aisle, and she's got tattoo man sitting next to her. And I'm going, man, this guy is a character. He's a good man, loves Jesus. And God says, pray for them. So I go up and I'm like, hey, could you guys use any prayer for anything? And what would your response be? I'm out of Doritos. He needs Doritos. <laughs> I should have expected a smart little comment from him. <laughs> Normally they won't say that. That's an odd thing to say. But, but if they do, you pray for Doritos. You know? It doesn't matter. Or maybe you say, I was standing here behind you, and I feel like the Lord prompted my heart to ask you if you needed prayer for anything. Can I pray with you about anything? Be careful, because you might have somebody's heart be spilled out right there. But we don't do things like that, do we? That's, that's, that's taboo. You mind your business, I'll mind mine. I don't think anyone's going to ever experience it. Maybe I'm wrong. Where someone, what's the worst thing that could happen? They look at you and say, why don't you shut up and mind your own business? And you could say, well, bless you too. No, I don't say that. <laughs> you can say, okay, I will, but I'll be praying for you. That's the worst thing that can happen? What are we scared of? Why don't we do it? Why don't we step out? We don't want to make ourselves vulnerable because our pride might get hurt. Some of you think we're weird. Well, the Bible calls you peculiar. I don't know how you interpret that, but that to me means weird. You know? You're a peculiar people. Hmm. Weird. It's putting yourself out there in a way that someone else can hurt your pride. It's humbling yourself to the place where what you want doesn't matter, only what you can do for Jesus. And think of Philip here when he ran over to the eunuch to talk to him. And remember, this guy was important. This guy was no lackey or anything. He was in charge of the entire treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. He was an important man. Philip, he wasn't really that important. He was a disciple of Jesus. We think he's important, but he was, he was kind of a nobody. Blue-collar guy, right? He was putting himself out there a bit by saying, do you understand what you're reading? Here's a rich intelligent, important man being asked by, what was Philip? Was he a fisherman? Yeah. So he, he's been asked this by, I just want you to think about that. I mean, this guy could have taken one look at Philip and said, why don't you mind your own business? Or who do you think you're trying to offer advice to? I'm important. Didn't bother Philip. First Peter 5, 6 says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Humbling yourself, that, that's, that's being vulnerable, that's putting yourself out there. Making yourself vulnerable opens up the gates to divine appointments happening. 
And I get it, that's a hard thing to do because we don't wanna look stupid or we don't wanna do something wrong or step out in faith only to fall on our face. But let me say this, it's better to make mistakes stepping out in faith than to live a life where divine appointments just don't happen. Let me, let me just do a little side teaching real quick here because I got two minutes left. What if the interpretation today was way off base? Or even a little off base? What if it just wasn't, you know what the church usually does in those situations when spiritual gifts happen and it's not just perfect according to the way they think it should be? They crucify the person who stepped out. They just beat him up or beat her up. Say, ah, it wasn't of God. That's just, no, it's just flesh. I wish they'd be quiet, blah, 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 blah. But you know what we ought to do? Is we ought to be so loving with one another that when we do step out in faith as individuals, whether it's in the gifts or whether it's, how many know that the gifts of the Spirit produce divine appointments all the time? That's what the gifts of the Spirit really are all about. But what if, we, what if our brother or sister falls in their face when they step out in faith? That's where we should reach down and pick them up and say, hey, good job for trying to step out in faith. And maybe it was a little misguided, but it's better than no divine appointments at all, isn't it? And maybe that's what I'm saying here as well. Better off stepping out in faith and falling on your face a few times than to live a life that's boring and dull and mundane with no divine appointments. Guys, we gotta know the voice of God. We've gotta be able to hear it. We've gotta know his voice. We've got to be obedient to that voice and we've gotta make ourselves vulnerable. When we do that, divine appointments will happen and this whole thing that we call the abundant life in Christ, <laughs> it's just gonna be part of our life. It's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be adventurous. It's gonna be fun. You know, you know it's fun every day to get up and not know what the heck's gonna happen today. It's just like, Jesus, what do you got on the schedule for me today? This life is meant to be a daily adventure we get, that we get to experience, not a drudgery that we have to endure. Yes, I know there are times that take endurance for all of us, but when we live in the adventure of divine appointments happening on a consistent basis, life is fun. Oh, Lord, I just can't wait till you come back because my life is so terrible. Oh, Lord, please do not tarry. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I, I got to get out of this place. And God's like, I don't want you to come with me because you're really boring. <laughs> I just think life ought to be a blast. And it can be. get our eyes off ourselves and get them focused on kingdom work. The specific life-fulfilling kingdom work that he's calling you to. Amen? All right, let's pray. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First Assembly of God podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest message.